Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that, in spite of what we've said, seems to be pushing the secrets of Dumbledore the same way we pushed Morbius. My name is Tosin and I am the host. I am uh, joining me as usual on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. And also joining us from London is Ollie Nessel. Hi. Hello. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I've just said it there. About, oh, so we didn't do this last week because reasons. People didn't, we didn't make it to the cinema. There wasn't much on or anything like that. We, but we essentially, in the run-up to the bank holiday, we didn't, we didn't make it. And we were talking about, oh, how we're going to see the secrets of Dumbledore. And, and Kali were like, oh, you have to see the secrets of Dumbledore because then you see what's happening, even though it's not holding up the Harry Potter bit. And now we've come back. We have a bumper week. Sharon has seen almost everything she can. And we still haven't seen the secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> so, so, oh, oh, what? Or Morbius, if it's still on anyway. Oh, oh Morbius. Well, I think we've already decided Morbius is not happening. I, I, think, I think with me, uh, with me, I've essentially gone, no, I'm a terrible person, can't stand it, don't think it's going to be good. Sony don't know what they're doing, Jared Leto. And so I'm obviously Morbius. So, and I know you still had some protestations of being a better person than I am. And you're like, oh, maybe, but I think, yeah, definitely it's going to happen. And yeah, but the secrets of Dumbledore, for some reason, we just seem to be avoiding seeing that. Now, so, so Holly, uh, so Holly, as the person who was the most um, enthusiastic, explain yourself. I haven't been, haven't actually had a chance to go to the cinema because my cinema buddy has been uh, on call for the last week and a half. But I kind of can't be bothered. <laughs> I've just at the moment not sure <coughs> much, and if I didn't make it in the cinema, I watched it when it was on Sky, and people would be okay with that. And that may be a damning confession for someone with an Odeon Limitless Pass. So you have, a, you have a limitless pass. So unlike me, you don't have to worry about, oh, what the quality of what I see is and everything like that. Oh, I'm spending my five pounds. I've got to make sure it goes, comes back good. You have yeah. a limitless pass, and you can't be bothered to go to the cinema to see The Secrets of Dumbledore. Correct. I've, that 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 sounds like a case closed to me. <laughs> it sounds like a case closed to me. I mean, I know Sharon. I know it's it's not necessarily your cup of tea. The whole Harry no, Potter world. In the past, I've gone because my cinema buddy at that time was a key, very keen, and so I'd always go along. And go yeah, I go. And this time, I did ask someone at work saying, "Did you want to see it?" I mean, I don't mind going with you if you want to see it because they were very big on Harry Potter. They're like. Yeah, yeah, let's go. And then the day of the woman, the cinema was like, oh, do you really fancy going? I don't think I fancy it anymore. And so we just bailed on that particular day. <laughs> so it was like a half-hearted arrangement that, um, yeah, just didn't. Yeah, and yeah. and as you, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, as you might hear from my cough, I am not in the best of health at the moment. And um, the, so even though, uh, during during the bank holiday weekend, I was thinking, hang on a second, I'm gonna be in London. I'm gonna I'm gonna have like you know family around. People can look after my child, and I could go to the cinema. This could happen. I could see more than a film a week. And then I just spend the whole weekend in bed. <laughs> spend the weekend in bed. Uh, but but even though when I was looking at my potential things I could watch, there was a there was a week where there was only Secrets of Dumbledore. That was the only game in town. And then The Northman came out. And looking at those two films. 
one of them is getting kicked to the curb if I have a choice between the Northman and Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm sorry. And I was like, even The Lost City came out and I was like, yeah, one of these is going to get my attention way above Secrets of Dumbledore. That, and so it's, um, yeah, it, I think it might go the way of Morbius. It, it might go the way of Morbius. The only difference is that, um, so the previous Sony superhero movies before Morbius were uh, Venom and Venom Let There Be Car Carnage. And those are two films that I still haven't seen. <laughs> Even though I've had chances, they've shown up on Sky Cinema. They said, ooh, watch me. And I've looked at it and gone, just no. Just so. So I might never see Morbius. But, but anyway, I think, we've, I think we've said that name enough times for something that we are resolutely avoiding. <laughs> but in cinemas this week, we've had a sort of weird delineation where Sharon, you've decided you will go to cinemas and Holly and I have decided we will stay at home. <laughs> well, I say decided. I mean, it was kind of decided for me. So in cinemas this week, what did you see? I have seen three, the big three. I have seen The Northman. Mm. And I have seen The Lost City and mm. Operation Mincemeat. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. I like the sound of this. And um, at home, Holly, what have you seen? I have seen Anatomy of a Scandal. Topical. Uh, pieces of Her. Seen it? Something else I think I can't remember. No problem, cool. That opens up the door for me. So <laughs> so I have seen, in addition to Pieces of Her, which I've seen, uh, this on Netflix, I have seen The Dropout on Disney+, Plus, which I was speaking to you guys about the last time we recorded, and I was talking about how I loved it seven episodes in, and there was no way they could de they could destroy this thing in an eighth episode. Um, I won't spoil it until we do review it. So let's kick off first with cinema, as is our want. And let us kick off with The Northman. Now, Sharon, you saw this. Uh, is there any... Is, okay, this is a rumor in my head alone. But that some something to do with Alexander Skarsgård with his top off and having absolutely, I don't know, by my count, looked like, you know, looked like 12 abs with a sort of topographical survey at the bottom of them going on. Might have had something to do with you watching this. Any rumor to that? Any truth to that rumor? There is some truth in that rumor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the Northman. <laughs> yeah, and um, ironically, I like, yeah, I think I first noticed Alexander Skarsgård, as most women did who had a pulse in the 1990s, was in True Blood, and he played Eric Northman, mm. a Viking. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So um, it uh, comes, yeah, not a full circle because he's got a long career still ahead of him. But um, yes, it's sort of that has sort of joined up those two elements. But yes, Northman stars principally Alexander Skarsgård and a number of other people who I know recognised after the film had ended when I read their names in the credits. I was like, you were in it? Who were you? So a few of them I was thought, oh, you look a bit familiar, but I can't place you. And then I thought, okay, don't... You know, sort of stress on that when you're watching the film. Get over that, just watch the film and then look at the credits. And yeah. half the people I would not have said that was them at all. Anyway, so Alexander Skarsgård, he is at the beginning of the film, he is living, he's a child, um, so it's played by a child actor. Um, his character is a child and he's living with his mum, played by Nicole Kidman, and his dad, played by Ethan Hawke, who I didn't recognise at all. <laughs> and something hideous happens and he ends ends up being sort of cast out on his own. And as he starts his life on his own, he swears three things, that he is going to get his vengeance, he is going to rescue his mother, and he is going to kill the bad guy. 
<laughs> and he then he grows up. I will and avenge you, like father. Him. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, full fear. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's all over. It's all over the trailer. That's like the refrain the in the trailer. <laughs> That's cool. And so he yes. So his father gets killed and by his uncle. And for <coughs> Matt, you may surmise that the film is basically a Shakespeare play. And so when I was watching it, the, and some of the names when they would be mentioned them, the way they'd say them, I was thinking, this is a Shakespeare play, a very well-known Shakespeare play. <laughs> and so some of the scenes that are sort of play out, it sort of speaks into into that play very much, minus some of the side dramas. But anyway, so he um, yeah, I think based, it's based on the same tale, the same same Danish tale that Shakespeare adapted for Hamlet. Oh right, so it's it's out there. So it's yeah, I was thinking when I was watching it, thinking this is this is Hamlet. <laughs> 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 Dead father. Mum's sort of a bit lustful after the uncle and then a little bit lustful towards her son. I was like, Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. But that makes sense. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it's all there. So yeah. then pretty girlfriend who goes a bit mad. Hamlet? So, <laughs> and so it's all there. But he basically, as an adult, he joins this roving band of Norse Northmen, yep. um, Viking raiders, and he um, becomes a berserker. They're the ones who basically sort of fill themselves up with the powers of nature so what bears and wolves and then they go into battle without armor and with basically just a sword and they protect, they rely upon their this sort of animal strength to protect them so they <coughs> all, all like rippling muscle and sweat basically yep um, not who can argue with that and so they then then when he's and after this battle he meets anna taylor joy's character ophelia though well, that's not her name and <laughs> He then sees that when he hears them talking, he, the, the leader of the bat is saying how different slaves are going to be sold off to different um, warlords. And one of the particular warlords who's going to have this band of slaves is his uncle that he has sworn vengeance against. So he decides, I am going to go to my uncle who happens to be in Iceland. And so he disguises himself as a slave and then gets taken off to Iceland. And then mayhem ensues. And there's blood, there's violence, there's weird things, and it all comes to a Shakespearean end. Mm. I won't give you any more details than that, and I'll give it. I think it was entertaining. The cast did their thing well. Um, it was bleak. It was creepy in places. It was sort of like mystical in places where it drew on that Norse legends and the myths of their cultures. Yep. So I would give it a four. I thought it was a good romping ride. But yeah, you have to have a bit of a strong stomach because some of the violence is a little bit gory. Yeah, it's uh, because the trailer does that whole thing where it shows you some action sequences and it cuts just before the bit where you're going, there's no way that doesn't end up in a big pile of blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> although <coughs> some of the filming, because there's one particular shot that follows the Alexander Skarsgård character as he goes over a wall and launches himself. In, and you're like thinking that, okay, technically speaking, oh, Okay, okay, I'm taking up your time now. Shut up. So, uh, you're looking at it and you're just thinking, technically speaking, that is an impressive looking shot. And it looks like the, so it looks like, obviously you have the Shakespearean sort of undertones um, showing that Shakespeare himself borrowed. So it's like, um, I, you have all those things. But at the same time, it does seem as if this is, if you were going to sort of lump it in with Shakespeare, it seems to be probably the most action-packed Shakespeare that you would have seen for a while. 
And there's been that thing that seems a little bit lazy to me. Uh, just a quick question before I move on to it. The, every time when you release when you release a film, there's always like a lazy comparison made on the poster. And the lazy comparison made on the poster for this was it's oh it's this generation's gladiator. What do you think? What do you think of that comparison? Having actually watched the film, I think it's a it's a bit of a lazy one because it's like lone man seeking vengeance for his the wrongs done to him. But apart from that, I had nothing in common. <laughs> okay. So uh, it was yeah. So it was like yeah. It's like a vengeance story, but then you could cite any vengeance stories because there's dozens of them out there i was thinking most westerns are based on vengeance stories it's the searches but it is clearly not so you know it's there's um yeah i think i was a little bit lazy okay uh, you compare it to sort of tv's the vikings in some ways obviously because it has a lot of the whole aggrandizing the whole viking north myth type thing that you know these are all strong strapping chaps mm -hmm. um, and you know, women wouldn't want to be captured by one of those. <laughs> oh, good lord! I <laughs> but I think there. But on the whole, I would say yeah, yeah. So it's a good old. Um, if you don't mind violence and gore and some some sort of murky lighting, sometimes where you're going, what's going on? But apart from that, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. I, I, I keep doing this. I keep. I'm the one who's trying to give us five minutes. And I'm the one who keeps asking questions. Okay. Yes or no thing. Whole bunch of men walking around with naked torsos. Any similarities to 300? Yes or no? Nope. Cool. Good. Moving on. And now we move away from cinema. We move away from cinema to uh, our, our home watching stuff. And I think that there's only really one place to start. And I think that's Anatomy of a Scandal. I think Anatomy of a Scandal is the only place that we can start this week. Because this is Rupert Friend and Sienna Miller um, on TV um, doing... For, okay, so Holly, you've seen this, but from what I can understand from the blurb that's been said about this, is Rupert Friend, Sienna Miller, playing some rich Tory couple. He's an MP, and there's a scandal that bumps that comes up because it turns out that he's been having an affair with one of his aides, but then it turns out to be a little bit more than that. But that is the synopsis that I have. Take it away, please. That is, that is correct. So in the beginning, you have, uh, well, you have three main, three key characters that's woven around. There's uh, Sienna Miller, who is the, you know, a, attractive Oxford graduate uh, wife of Rupert Friend, the, you know, the MP, uh, and a, and at the same time, a barrister, whom you're aware of and who is clearly just a very good barrister. Uh, it rapidly becomes apparent that Rupert Friend is also Rupert Friend's character is very, very pally with the Prime Minister, mm -hmm. who might feel like a vaguely familiar sort of character. Um, <laughs> they'd um, and they had been at Oxford <laughs> together and members of a rather raucous club full of uh, rich, you know, young men who caused, you know chaos and mayhem and destroyed things and didn't behave in a terribly nice fashion, which I don't know why that might sound familiar. That again. doesn't sound like reality at all. It doesn't, doesn't. It's really far too ridiculous and far too foolish. Um, but you get various clips back to all of their times at Oxford, where, um, which is where Sienna Miller had met Rupert Friend as well. And it it sort of begins with the uh, the crashing arrival into their their house one night of the um, of the prime minister's uh, press fixer, mm -hmm. um, saying you know this is all coming out. You're going to have to 
you're going to have to you know fess up basically this is hitting the press you've got to tell your children you've got to be ready for this um in the middle of the in the middle of the night and it rapidly you know comes out that yes he's been he's been having an affair and that it's you know it's it's all you know you know a consensual affair with a much younger 23 year old aide um played by Naomi Scott and they they literally say you know there's nothing more to it is there um and he says no no there isn't um and then a prosecution ensues because the um a, a an encounter I don't think I'm giving anything away here an encounter that he claims he believed was consensual uh Naomi Scott claims she didn't believe was consensual um mm. And it obviously it features the trial heavily, um, and it features various flashbacks to their time at Oxford, how who they were, how they'd reached that point, uh, and twists and turns ensue. Uh, I really liked it. I have to say, it was. Um, I'm trying to think who plays the um, uh, the barrister. You will remember her, Mitchell Duckery. Yes, thank you. Mr. Dockery uh, of Downton Abbey fame. Yes. Who... All I can ever say is Downton Abbey and Mary, <laughs> but I, I've never seen Downton Abbey. So why I remember that, who knows? Um, and she was superb as the as the barrister who's clearly had a, you know, had a difficult, you know, interesting life as well. And her yeah, it... cases are all fascinating. Yeah, even me say something on Michelle Dockery. I mean, she's somebody who I've never seen Downton Abbey, but obviously that's what she's most famously associated with. But everything else I've seen her in, I've just thought, oh my god, she's amazing. She was in a TV show called Good Behavior, and she's great in it. She's in a film called The Gentleman, and I've only seen clips of her in it, and I just think, oh my god, she's great. Is it that I, it makes it makes me actually want to watch Downton because I'm like. There's yeah. no way that's what she was doing in Downton. There's absolutely no way. I keep thinking the same. So it's a must, must watch it because, <laughs> because she's good and you know everyone yeah. else around. Yeah. So I'll let you know if that actually happens at some point. Mm. Um, so yeah, I really, I thought it was really, really good. It's, um, I'd say, it couldn't possibly have any bearing on reality at all right now. No, no feelings of, of current affairs, at least. Um, <coughs> It you know that. So carry on. say it keeps you. It, it you see some things coming, you see other things not coming. Um, it's it's a really good watch. I really liked it. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Oh, I've heard I've heard the term propulsive used, as in it just keeps going. And yeah. next thing you know, you've watched the next episode. You watch the next episode. You watch the next episode. I've there's, been, all, there's, there's 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 only six of them, right? Yeah. And they're short, relatively speaking. When one's used to the sort of epic hour-long thing, these are forty minutes, I think. Ooh, oh, sweet! So sweet, it's sweet, got, sweet. It, it has got, yeah, it, it has got pace to it, and you can just sit yourself down and watch all of it in one go. And it's, it is. I couldn't stop. I had to get to the end. There was no two ways about it. You know, got to find out what happens. <coughs> um, <coughs> so, but so obviously with the. I mean, apart from the fact that it would tickle me endlessly if the scandal about this was like, you know, the prime minister's press office shows up and goes, all right, there was a birthday party. You were there. This is what's going to 
Um, um, it, it would tickle me endlessly if that was the actual scandal. But apart from that, obviously, this is this is a post Me Too show because you have all these studios that are beginning to uh, try and um, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They reckon. They begin to reckon with the whole idea of this is what the sort of things happens and these things happen. And this person thinks it was totally consensual. Someone is like, ah, no, that's what consent looks like. And so. And some shows are a bit more heavy-handed than others. How do you think that this does in tackling those issues? I think it, I think it handles it very well because it looks at it both from a personal perspective yep. and a legal perspective and asks the question of, you know, could you reasonably have been seen to believe yes or no? Um, I could, you know, what what is and in and it it looks at it in all sorts of ways. But what, you know, what can you understand? What is acceptable behaviour, mm. and and what and what isn't? And it's it's obviously you know, um, well, scandal filled. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's a. I could actually watch it again. Um, and I watched again already. I, I rewatch things all the time, but this feels like something I could actually settle down with when I'm off and rewatch and see if what? there are things that I didn't. Well, with see a notebook and go, notebook and go. All right, cool. So yeah, so, yeah if that happens, exactly. that, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What's, what's gone on? What's gone on? But I could very well see myself doing that. Cause, all right. Good stuff. It, it's good viewing. So I would highly highly recommend it to everybody and particularly both of you obviously all right cool so 4.5 stars for anatomy of a scandal and now we go back to cinema what else does cinema have for us what else is here and i think i'm going to go with the lost city so let's go with the lost city sharon tell us about this I, okay headlines Sa sandra bullock Channing tatum romancing the stone jungle daniel ratcliffe being an idiot Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, the film it reminded me most of was Romancing the Stone. So <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me who picked that one up. Basically... Oh, no, that, 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 from the trailer, you look at that and you go, yeah, that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> yeah, the trailer's all, it's been all over the place. So unlike the other two films I've seen, I never saw the trailer for Northman at the cinema. And I've only saw one trailer for the other film I've seen at the cinema, Operation Mitzvah. But this one was all over the place. So obviously, yeah. bigger, yeah. Budget, bigger marketing budget. Anyway, yeah, uh, so Lost City is a romantic novelist, um, Sandra Bullock, is on her like 25th novel with the same sort of hero and heroine, um, where they go on these adventures, and the cover art is always, they're like these saucy adventures where it, um, all the sort of discovering lost treasures is interspersed with, you know, quite erotic writing of a certain type, <coughs> we say. It, it, a bit, it, it, it looks it looks a bit Mills and Boone. It's a bit of the the Mills and Boone historicals, but ramped up to ten. <laughs> you know, in the nineties, I sort of read a couple of those, and I was like, "This is a bit just too saucy for me." So you know, it's just it, yeah, they're they're of a, of a type. Um, it's of Mills and Boone. Yes, yeah, so I think Mills and Boone. Yeah, is more. Well, yes, they are. Well, they did go through a phase of being extremely erotic, and, and uh, you know, yeah, they, yeah. Really toned down a bit more recent years, but yeah, it's of that ilk of uh, the, the 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 bodice ripper, the adventurous bodice ripper, where they don't just sort of like mad boy meets girl and then they fall in love. This is like you go and discover a lost kingdom of the Incas or something. And so basically, 
yeah, she's 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 in a bit of a lull. She's in her personal life. She's in a bit of a lull. She's been she's been widowed, and her husband was basically her inspiration. He was her hero. He was a real archaeologist. He was a real you know um, genius <coughs> investigating this particular civilization, and so and. He was her inspiration. So when he died, she lost her sort of like oomph. So this latest novels have been a bit of a slog for her to produce. And she's been said, right, you need to go on this book tour to promote it. And Channing Tatum's character is her cover model. Like in the 80s, or some authors had the same cover model on all of their books. I was thinking of a writer called Joanna Lindsay. She always had Fabio on all of her books. Oh, was yeah, like him. Fucking blonde guy, and he was always... Uh. In a certain way with his open uh, shirt blowing in everything was like blowing in the wind fabio i remember that he, he was inspired by this he's like wearing this white ruffly shirt with a long blonde wig and he's just he be, inhabits this character because it's like as the way he says it you know you know i we give such these books give such joy to the women who read these books How, who are we to take that away from them by diminishing it or by making fun of it you know so yes i do take it seriously and i do because you know, they do and it's there why would i want to take anything away from these the, the people who buy these books and read these books so he but he starts off with this just being a little bit of a a dumb a bimbo he's like a dumb blonde he is like the dumb blonde, the bird <coughs> yeah. the intelligent go-getter one and because in her book she does put real history in there and she puts real archaeology in there daniel radcliffe's character goes actually you could discover the real jewelry the real treasure in this ancient kingdom and so he kidnaps her takes her to this island where this this kingdom was based and mayhem ensues as you've seen it's <laughs> things happen that you think brad pitt comes into it sort of blows everyone off the screen um and the only way that he can by sort of being brad pitt turned up to 11. <laughs> yep yep but it, yeah. and a few times he sort of goes like that with his hair and you know he, so he's completely mocking himself so it is it's a, a one of those ripping yarns yeah. type adventures where improbable things happen to improbable people and there's, there's a there's a few visual jokes throughout it she's been told that she has to really sell her book and she's got to present this character and they put her in like the sequin sort of like jumpsuit effect <laughs> and so um She's sort of hiking through the jungle, climbing up cliffs in high hills and this sort of sequined jumpsuit. And so um, it becomes a bit of like a, I'm not sure it would hold up to all of that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a few visual gags and the fact that, you know, he he is the damsel in nearly all of the scenarios and she's yep. the one who rescues him so there's that little bit of role reversal but yes it's a it's a ripping yarn it's 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 fun we had some laugh i went with a friend we had some laugh out loud moments in it there's a few bits where we looked at each other and went that wasn't gonna happen yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so there was there was enough in it to be entertaining i don't think it was ever going to be any more than a three to be honest with you but it deserved it was a good three it was entertaining it did what it said on the tin it's it did what it did well I mean, it was never going to be anything more than just a ripping yarn and a bit of fun. And that's exactly what it was. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, enjoyable, fun, funny, daft, um, lots to like. But, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a solid, solid three. Okay, so I know that you have said three. I know you've said three, but everything that you've, everything you've said in your head, everything that you have just said, I have translated down to a four in my head. Because <laughs> I think, I think like with with films like this, when I saw this film, 
and you see the first poster and you're like uh more because it's the kind of film that it's so easy to get wrong it is so easy it it is so easy to get wrong and it's so easy to go hey look we've got beautiful people in the jungle what's not to like what what more do you want and it's very easy to sort of rest on that but uh but then you start seeing some of the trailers and you start thinking there might be something here because Channing Tatum (coughs) for all the fact that he is used sometimes as a, as a himbo and he's used as like, oh, look at him. He's like, oh, he's ripped and all that. He's actually quite a very, he's a very good comic actor. He's a, and he knows how to play, use what people think about him against type. I mean, I think in, he's brilliant in the 21, 22 Jump Street movies. And uh, so for me, it's about whether this is done right. Because if it's done right, then that elevates the whole thing. If the things, if they click together, that elevates the whole thing, whole thing. And if there's a reason for one scene to exist, but at least into the next scene, and it's not just there because that's the kind of scene you have in this kind of film. Uh, sorry, oof, I feel a rant coming on. Because it has to do with Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. But, but I will leave that until another time when I'm talking. So, um, three stars, but very, very good three stars for The Lost City. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, three is a good rating still. I mean... I think it's... I, I think that... It, it, I remember there was a film that I, I reviewed a while back. I can't remember which one it was, but I said I called it the perfect three-star movie. Yeah. Where, where it is a three-star movie, but you could not leave that film feeling any less satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I still yeah. think three is good. It does what it's supposed to do. It's good. I mean, four is like it's a, it's a step above that. It's like yeah. it does what it's supposed to do, and then it adds a little bit. And then five to me is like it's got to be pretty flawless. It's got to be... Yeah practically i can't pick anything out of it so yeah. <laughs> thinking about this sort of film was easy to be going like well, well you know that isn't that but no it's like it did what it and it did it well because we've all seen people attempting for me sometimes this sort of humor can be a bit broad yes and forced. When you've got things like when they've got leeches attached to different parts of a person's body yeah yeah, yeah. Get, some of that humor is going to be but there were some genuinely funny moments but i was laughing sort of going like that oh that's a little bit oh and then <laughs> and then but yeah but then so for me it's a bit broad but that's just you know my prudish inner self all right oh cool good stuff and now we are going to go back to um to netflix and friends and we are going to talk about the dropout we're going to talk about this is a dropout on disney plus but um i'm going to set my i'm going to set this timer going and then i'm going to steal time for myself to do my sonic the hedgehog rant so So, you know, Sonic Hedgehog 2, the last time we were on here, I reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and I said that it was a disappointment, and it was the film that you worried that Sonic Hedgehog 1 was going to be, and Sonic Hedgehog 1 ended up being a really good one. Now, over one of the past weekends, I actually watched Sonic the Hedgehog 1 again, and I was I was like, no, this is a good film. This is a brilliant film. And the second one does fall down there. So if anybody was thinking that I was just being a bit of a sourpuss because I was I was watching Sonic the Hedgehog 1 again beside a, an eight-year-old who had watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and had loved it and thought it was brilliant and everything, and I was watching Sonic the Hedgehog 1 going, no, this is just a vastly superior film to the second one. So... Just just thought I'd say that. Just thought I'd say that. I could go more into it, but no, I've already taken enough time from the dropout, which I shall start off by saying I'm giving five stars. So it is, yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, the dropout is a is a brilliant TV show. I cannot find much to fault. I, actually, no, honestly, I can't find anything to fault in this in this show, because so it is based on the story of Elizabeth Holmes, who founded a company called Theranos, 
and she was in Stanford University in the States. And the, the show is called The Dropout because she dropped out of Stanford University after her first year at the age of 19 because she had this idea for a, for a company. She dropped out of Stanford and she took a whole bunch of people from Stanford with her who ended up being her research team trying to figure out how to make this idea work. And her idea was you like instead of taking blood through like taking a whole bunch of blood from from people with needles and people are scared of needles and it makes taking the blood like you know an ordeal for them you prick they get a prick on a, on a finger on a finger you get one drop of blood and from that one drop of blood you can diagnose a whole host of tests so all you need is a drop of blood and that was her hook all you need is a t all you need is a drop of blood or all you need is one drop and it's all about how she builds up this company and how they build up this big, massive company. She gets it gets to the point where she is valued at nine billion dollars. She's on the front copy, front cover of magazines like Fortune and Time, and like you know Wired, and people are like talking about this Silicon Valley genius. And all the while, the big thing that nobody really seemed to push hard to find out was that the technology did not work. And. Ooh. Yeah, the technology did not work. The technology never worked. And it's all about, it, it follows her. So she's played by Amanda Seyfried, who has never been better. This is like, essentially, you know, you're talking about Michelle Dockery, Holly. And we're saying like, about how you meet you. I've got to go see what she was like in, um, I've got to go see what she was like in Downton because everything I've seen is totally different from what I imagine she was like in Downton. And Amanda Seyfried, she's so good in this that it makes you go back and look at her, look at her um, filmography and wonder, where has this been hiding the whole time? Like, seriously, where has this been? I have never seen you do anything like this. I thought that you were essentially, if there was a film, you were the pretty one who was supposed to stand up there and be the pretty one, and then the film ends and you were the pretty one, and we've forgotten about you. But in this, she is, she is so good. When, like, especially when it goes to the whole idea of this Elizabeth Holmes character, what drives her? What drives her when she's a young person? What drives her to actually want to set up this company? What drives her? Because she just has this thing, she's like, when they ask what you want to be, she's like, I want to be fa I, I, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. That's the whole thing. And you can feel they even when she goes to university, you can feel the impatience of this character to want to come up with a big idea quickly because oh, I'm running out of time. Oh, Steve Jobs, by the time he was this, he was that. Oh, Bill Gates, by the time he was this, this is what he'd achieved. I haven't achieved anything. I need to achieve something quick, 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 quick. And it goes into <laughs> into that. It goes into the relationship she has with a guy called Sonny Balwani who is about 20 years older than her, who she meets when she's 19, and how that ends up feeding into the company. And the bit I think it really, really excels in is when it goes into how this whole thing went so wrong, so spectacularly, and all the steps that they took towards this thing going wrong so spectacularly, that as you're watching it, in the moment as they're making that decision, you can see how that makes sense to them. You can see how that makes sense. You can see how it's like, yeah, we should do this. Yeah, why? Yeah, why should we do? We should do this. We should. And then, a couple of episodes later, you're like, whoa, what the heck is going on? And I think it it it, it does a really good job of exploring what what she did, the effect it had for women in Silicon Valley, the effect it had for medical startups, the uh, why all these people believed her all the different people are hoodwinked all the and there's a scene at the end where her lawyer is walking behind her out of the office and is just trying to make her see the enormity of what's going on and uh, what she has what she's what has happened what she's done and there is the the way anima cypher plays is that there's a bit of a disconnect where that she she doesn't quite relate to people the the way most people do 
So whether it's her being a bit on the spectrum or something like that, she doesn't quite. But I think the way Amanda Seyfried plays a really interesting character. Not, I mean, there's definitely villainous things. There's definitely villainous, villainous things that she did and that she got up to. But, but at the same time, there's also kind of like, but it's still a human being. And I love the approach this show takes and I would totally recommend it. I could, uh, I think for, because there's quite a few different shows. Like, I know there's Inventing Anna on Netflix, which I which I have issues with, but I'm on, my, on the final episode of that. But there's a quite a few different shows that are going into this whole modern capitalism thing. It all went wrong. How did this go wrong? So, but, and the dropout, as far as I'm concerned, is head and shoulders above all of them. For for examining the culture, how does this happen? How do you get people to stake their credibility on somebody who's just not credible? <laughs> and it's um yeah, five stars for the dropout. I can I can not re- recommend it highly enough. Even the thing oh uh, of Amanda Seyfried, even what she does with her voice, she does this really interesting thing with her voice, which has to do with a woman being around a group of men, which. And you get to see the evolution of that and how that comes, and it's and it's just kind of like it. It the thing is, even though this woman did bad things, it made me think, oh, good lord, women have it hard in the corporate world. <laughs> but but let's move back to cinema. Unless you guys have any questions that I will try and answer, the yes or no thing. <laughs> Unless you have any questions about the dropouts. All right, cool. No questions. Nope. In that case, we shall move on to Operation Mincemeat. Okay. Right. Operation Mincemeat is a film. It's based on true events. This is set in 1943, and where basically the Allies are looking to start a second front by basically taking the war back to Europe. And the most obvious place to launch this a new assault is from Sicily. An earlier raid on Dieppe had been a disaster. It had been poorly planned, poorly executed, and then it was costly and so they don't want to make the same mistakes again so they know that Sicily's going to and the Germans will believe that Sicily is the most obvious place so they start this counterintelligence battle basically to deflect attention away from Sicily and say we are going to launch an invasion on Greece but it's trying to get the Germans to believe it and normally all the other things they do like fake maneuvering sort of everything else nothing seems to work the Germans are still focused on defending Sicily and so they come up with this harebrained scheme, one of 27, by a writer that we may have heard of called Ian Fleming, who was working <laughs> in intelligence in the 1940s. And he came up with a thing called Operation Trout, which was basically how to sort of hook the Germans into believing oh, yeah. these things. And there were something like 30 different scenarios. And one of the most bizarre ones was basically having fake documents on a body, and the body washes up on the shore of a neutral country, Spain, and then these documents get into the hands of the German intelligence services, and then they basically believe them. So they're like baiting the hook by saying <laughs> this is all there. And so they then this the film is about how they go about making this his major Martin, his they call him Major William Martin, and how to make him believable as a real intelligence so so they create a persona around him they find a suitable body and they find someone who's living who looks enough like the body so they can take some pictures of him and mm-hmm. um, they create a life around him they they write letters they give him a history a service history they basically make him as real as they could possibly be and then the, the three sort of main protagonists in this are 
Colin Firth's character, who's Ewan Montague, who is a solicitor and barrister who now works for intelligence. There is um, Major Chomley, who's a, uh, again, a naval, played by Matthew McFadden, who is a Air Force intelligence officer, who's got like this very clinical, insightful mind. And then they draw in all these disparate characters who basically are working with them. To, and, and Johnny Flynn plays in Fleming. And so they pad out how to make this man as convinced as possible. And yeah. so this film is about, yeah, building the story and then launching the operation and to see how effective it was. If you think this sounds familiar, obviously it's a true story, um, but there, there was a book written in 1950 by a guy called Duff Cooper, who wrote a book called Operation Heartbreak, based on this event. And then there's a film in 1956 called The Man Who Never Was, based on the same events. So it is out there in the cult, in our sort of cultural history as well as being in sort of the World War, Second World War history. A trio of Jane Austen heroes. We had two Mr. Darcy's and we had a Mr. Knightley <laughs> on screen together. Oh, so I didn't, I didn't work that out till afterwards when someone was saying, oh, two Mr. Darcy's. I was like, two Mr. Darcy's and a Mr. Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've I've heard people say that, and that's something that would totally have pl fl uh, like you know passed me by. But when I was I, watching, I didn't register it because I hated that Matthew McFadden's version of <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. So I I've wiped that from my memory. Yeah, but but then is like, uh, 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 but uh, it, it makes me really really happy that you picked it because I, I was thinking, yeah, Sharon might have picked this up. But <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy that you did. I've never watched his version of Pride and Prejudice, or I don't think I have because I couldn't bear the idea. I've watched the one with zombies. Yeah, I like that. That's fun. We went to see it on my birthday, didn't we? That was my we birthday. We went to see that on your birthday, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We went to see that on your birthday. So, yeah, okay. I really rated it. I thought it was good. Um, well executed. There was some great cast in there. There was, like, Jason Isaacs was playing the head of intelligence, who they call M. <laughs> they, um, there were nods to James Bond, which was quite fun. Um, Kelly McDonald <laughs> was in it. As a sort of... She was working in, like, the, the pool of the, the female staff who worked around sort of MI5 at that time. Um, there's a sort of, there isn't a romance, but there's a hint of romantic um, suppressed feelings or different sort of undercutting the film. Yeah. Um, Russell Summer Bill plays Churchill. Uh, there's, there's a good cast. There's lots of people. And Lenny Wilton is in there. Mark Gaddis is in there. Yeah, there's lots of people you go, Good, good, strong cast. So, but then, um, so yeah, good, strong cast, a strong film, well executed, well delivered. Yeah, you, yeah, you feel for it. You sort of, even though you know how it ends, you still feel slightly tense, thinking, "Oh, I hope this works." Even yeah. though we we know obviously that it did. Yes. <laughs> but even so, even though you know that, you still go into it. Oh, I hope. Oh, come on, boys. And uh, so it did do what it was supposed to do, made you sort of engage you in the action. So for all those reasons, yeah, good cast, entertaining, good story, um, enough tension in it, um, I would give it a four. Give it a four. Yes. Yeah, I, I have to say, I have to say, this is a good week. <laughs> this, this, this is a, this is a good week. I'm looking at going, well, uh, yeah, we, everybody brought the A game. Everybody came to fight. So, and, and which means that there's only one way we can go with this and that's downhill with pieces of her on netflix so pieces of her netflix i've seen <clears throat> i said i've seen this but seeing as i can't say two sentences without coughing holly take us tell us pieces of her what's that all about 
Um, it begins in a, I'm going to say, relatively small town in the States. No yes. Idea where. Yeah, uh, the States. Definitely not shot in Australia whatsoever. No, this is definitely the absolutely States. Absolutely not <laughs> shot in Australia and not whatsoever. Really almost entirely Australian. Uh, totally, no, no, they're not Australian. No, no, they're all American. It's all American. Everyone not a thing. Um, and there is a young woman who is um, some sort of police officer, except not actually a police officer, insofar as I thought it was slightly bizarre. It, it, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a police support officer. Yeah. So uh, it has, has a uniform, but goes and makes for, and, and fields phone calls for the police but doesn't have a gun and doesn't have any authority that police would have. And she is <coughs> living at home. She's moved back home with her mother, um, played by uh, Tony Collette. Mm -hmm. And their relationship is clearly a bit tense. Um, it becomes yeah apparent that she had moved back specifically, that she'd moved specifically back. Not, it hadn't been a sort of, you know, random thing. And um, they go out for lunch, um, a, a meal, and somebody spots somebody with a gun spots the daughter, um, and he's trying to steal things or. Something. Yeah, he's he's it's like the, there's there, essentially they go for a lunch somewhere. There's somebody there with a gun who's a bit of a shooter, who. As who is not targeting them or targeting somebody else in the in the in the cafe, but then spots spots the daughter in a in a police outfit, and after shooting these other people, he's kind of like essentially it looks like he's trying to commit suicide by cop, where he's essentially telling the cop to get up and everything, and she, she doesn't get up. She doesn't get up because she isn't a cop. She just happens to have a uniform that looks a bit like a cop, and um. So wait, then oh yeah, then you want to go ahead. Um, so the Tony Collette is worried for her, dreadfully worried for her daughter. Um, uh, stands up with the guy has a the guy has a knife, doesn't he? He has a knife, yes. So she stands up to confront him, and in doing so, um, I'm fairly sure, fairly sure this is okay to say the knife goes right through her hand in a very unpleasant fashion while yep. she stops the guy yeah and this is therefore all over the place people have obviously got their cameras out and you know their camera phones out and their phones because because of media sensation so suddenly they've got um they've got you know the uh, press on the doorstep or well you know the front yard um and it's all clearly very very fraught um the uh there are a, a number of, of you know sort of men around one is the ex her tony Clatt's ex-husband whom she's clearly got a good good relationship with who is her daughter's stepfather and they're clearly very close and another long-standing male friend and it just progressively becomes apparent that there is more to Tony Collette's life than her daughter had any idea about. And she yep. goes off to try to find pieces of her mother. Um, it's based upon a book by Karen Slaughter, whom I am generally very fond of. Um, you know, she does a good buddy murder mystery. Um, this is slightly away from her, her you know, tried and tried and tested um, mechanism but i i really liked it what were your thoughts tosin 
Well, <clears throat> it's it. Well, to begin with, it, I just found it really, really, really disconcerting that this was obviously shot in Australia, but they kept yeah. trying to tell you it was America. It. I was looking at this. That doesn't look like America. That looks like Australia. Stop trying to tell me it's America. And it probably took me about four episodes to get over that and go because Bella Heathcote, who plays the daughter, I kept. Then is without even look. I looked at her and I went. There's something up with her accent. She sounds like she's probably an Australian doing an American accent. I looked it up. Oh my God, she is Australian. And so that 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 kept taking me out of it. That kept taking me out of it. And the so as the central mystery unfolds and you start finding out more and more about this whole pieces of her thing and what it is that her mother actually came and why is why it is that being on the news in such a big way is such a problem and why that why it means that all these weird things keep happening in their lives. There were bits of it that I liked, and there were bits of this central mystery that I found wanting. I found, uh, I, I found, sorry, we might have a little bit longer because the two of us are talking about this, but it's, it, it I, found, I found a little bit wanting because I was kind of like, okay, was that the, but come on, there had to be more to it than that. Is that how you're going to, why would you do that? And and why are you so stupid? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the, the, I think it's done deliberately. I think it's done deliberately, but the daughter character is one that had me nigh on hurling things at my TV screen. That had me, I'm like, oh, why are you doing that? Why, oh, how do you think that's a good idea? Oh, okay, cool. Okay, fine. Fine, I guess now all of a sudden you... It's like, it's like, oh, I guess fine. All of a sudden you think you're you're an action detective. and the it, it's a, it, But the funny thing is that she thinks she is, but even the show is like, no, she's not an action detective. She's an idiot. <laughs> And it so so it was it has a good cast it has a good cast it has a sort of flashback structure where you go back into the past to figure out why Tony Collette is the way she is and what what's actually happened to it and at the end of the day I'm just not sure that there was enough substance to it to justify this whole endeavor quite frankly oh. I think. And I, I feel like the, the thing that they set up, the, the thing they set up at the beginning in the, in the, when they're having lunch and then the guy comes in with a gun and Tony Collette stops him. The, the thing they set up there, you're like, ooh, what's going on? And then when you actually get the, the new mom, so to say, of the explanation of all that kind of stuff, I'm kind of like, nah, that's a bit, meh. It doesn't totally hang together. It, 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 I also it, found it was slow getting going. It if was, I hadn't was, persevered through the first two episodes, I think I had to push myself through and I did like it. Yeah, yeah. I it's, did like that. I, I'm really glad I saw the resolution. And it is one that I might watch again on in the background just because I'd like to see, try to figure out what I missed. Yeah. If anything. Yeah. That is, I, I may I, read the book. Yeah, I think it's like, I agree with you that it, it, it takes a while. It takes a while to get going. It's a bit slow to get into places, to bringing things up. And and as I said, but, and it's just a personal thing. It was just the the first four episodes. I was like, it's obviously Australia. <laughs> Stop trying to tell me you're in Alabama. You're in Adelaide. <laughs> I am literally about to buy both the book and the audio book of it. So as it's two ninety nine for the Kindle and one credit for the audiobook so I can alternate between listening and um cool and there's been two words so I will report back on yeah it, comparison, it, um, yeah week. 
I thought I thought it was a competent it was a competent thing. It's just at the end of it, uh, I I liked it, but I wasn't grabbed. I liked it, but um, there was a little bit of a little bit of feeling of you might have wasted eight hours of my life because <laughs> where you ended up wasn't it doesn't feel worth it. Um, I may be doing the same with the book and the audio book now, but again. <laughs> I will report that. I, I'll figure that there will be more in the book, as they always is. So how many stars would you give Pieces of Her? I think probably three. Yeah, I think that's what I'd have to give. I'd have to give it a three. It's good. It's competent. The It, the, it has good performances. Uh, there is a lady in it called Jessica Barden, who was in The End of the Effing World, who I'm really happy to see in other things. And um, so it's... It has what's his face from Joe Dempsey, who was originally in Skins and was in um, Game of Thrones. He's in it as well. So it has yeah. people that I like. So he, it has people that I like, and I want to see good things happen for their career in it. So for that, it, it makes me want to like it. But it, it does have some problems. Uh, I think it's. I think it's fair to say yeah, it does have some problems. Right. Cool. So we're going to the end of all of our reviews, and all that is left to say is, who do you think has won this week? I think it's a tie. Okay. Holly's going for a tie. Sharon's trying to remember everything we've said and is doing a calculations in her head. <laughs> um, no, we've got... Because mm -hmm -hmm. I'm thinking that home viewing might just edge it with your five. Uh, you would be right. Home viewing <laughs> did edge it, not just with my five, but also with Holly's point five. So <laughs> I could honestly have stretched up to a five as well. So, so yeah, so yeah, we had um, scores of four, three, and four for cinema, which gave us a score of eleven. But as we said, the numbers, the maths doesn't tell the full story because we said the Lost City. That's about all you could give it, but it is one of those perfect three-star movies, pretty yeah. much. Where you're like, yeah, it's a three-star movie, but I'd rather watch that than. 12 years a slave again. So Yeah. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Which is which is 12 years a slave, which is obviously the better film, but this is the better time. <laughs> I've still not seen 12 years a slave, which is a dreadful confession. Um but... no, I don't I don't think it necessarily is the the film the title kind of tells you what you're in for. It is a great film, but my god, you need to be in a good place to watch it. Yeah. You need to be in a good place to watch that film I'll because save it for another day. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I, I I don't know what mood it is that I would say you have to be in to watch it, but it, it, you have to be in a good place because it will certainly you, you'd have to be in a good place. place you, you have to be in a good place. If you're feeling fragile about anything. That's not the film. To it, watch. Yeah, if you're feeling fragile, please do not put that film on. If you're feeling, uh, this is my public service announcement. If you're feeling fragile or in any way unhappy about anything in your life, do not watch that film, please. Duly, duly notice. <laughs> All right, cool. So until next week, when we shall ignore the secrets of Dumbledore again. <laughs> until next week, it is a goodbye for me. Goodbye for me. And goodbye for me. Yeah, we're off to go and try and figure out how to fix Sharon's computer. Yeah.